Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. What is going on, Belly Up Sports fam? It is Shaka Cummings. It is Parker Ainsworth. Welcome to FN Sports, the podcast with two teachers, grade sports biggest issues. Parker, as we record on this Sunday, happy Easter to everyone who is celebrating. How are you spending your Easter Sunday? Uh, I got a Zoom call with the family earlier. It's been a very laid-back Easter Sunday. Not a lot going on. Everyone getting ready for the week after a long weekend. We had Friday off, so, you know, kind of getting back into gear for the week. Uh, Reaching the stage of quarantine where we're looking up if I should or should not cut my own hair. Uh, so Ooh, we'll the answer, listen the answer is always no the answer is always <laughs> no uh, I will say this because if you have someone with so I used to cut my own hair because I used to kind of keep a baldy as long as you got someone who could do the back if you're doing a baldy or a buzz then you're straight but let me just say you do not want to be the guy who comes <laughs> out of quarantine with the home haircut on the first day so it's, <laughs> It's really, it's really getting, getting a, kind of hitting a critical mass here. So we'll see if that goes. <laughs> All righty. Um, if Parker cuts his own hair, I'm giving him a detention. That being said, let's <laughs> let's do our gold stars and detentions. So uh, Parker, what gold stars do you have this week, sir? Uh, I first want to give a gold star to Masabi Range College. Uh, Masabi Range College is a junior college in Minnesota. Uh, they hired Tamara Moore, former WNBA player, uh, kind of had her sh- career cut short, uh, kind of when the Comets got cut short there with the recession in 07, 08. Um, but she was from Minnesota, played for the Lynx for a while. Uh, they hired her as their men's basketball coach, making her the first woman coaching men's collegiate basketball. We'll look forward to see how it goes whenever we get back to basketball season. My gold star this week goes to University of Kentucky alumnus Devin Booker, who uh, beat University of Louisville on this uh, Montrez Harrell in the uh, NBA 2K Players Tournament. 
And, you know, it's this time of year, right? I mean, March Madness, the uh, NCAA championships would have been last week. So it's this time of year. Kentucky's used to beating Louisville and stuff. So thank you, Devin Booker, for keeping that tradition alive. We absolutely love it. Uh, there's a guy on Twitter I follow uh, through our FN Sports account, at FN Sports 2 on Twitter. Um, his name is at BMW underscore AA. is Boyle Meets World. Uh, he's a blogger, tweeter, podcaster, whatever. Um, but he was on the search for a challenge that was super obscure, but I have a really soft spot for. He was trying to find an NBA player who has a career high that matches their jersey number. And he went on this like roundabout search, kind of starting with Dave Robinson. Like, well, did Dave Robinson ever score 50? He broke 50 a couple times, so Dave Robinson wearing 50 means that he's ineligible because his career high was higher than his jersey number he had on. He went on and on and on. Um, said a guy named Phil Chenier, uh, career high of 44 points. His number, 45. <laughs> he would go on to find, and he, he did all of these like pain, agonizing days of research that he like kept track of through his Twitter feed, um, <laughs> including things like uh, you know, Jordan's career high while he was on the Wizards versus, and, and just different things. Um, Donovan, Donovan Mitchell, near the end of his thread, career high is 46. Donovan Mitchell, of course, wears number 45. <laughs> and, and, um, it was He was really, really upset by the end of this. He says he's going to give uh, his final findings in this podcast. So if you want to go follow him after you listen to this podcast and start, you know, rate, review, et cetera, if you can go find him and find what his final findings are um i thought it was really interesting exercise and i responded to him at one point like man this is the kind of thing that i would have completely done on uh, basketballreference.com if i had thought of it first while we were all stuck in quarantine so shout out to him for a interesting exercise on twitter and the entertaining tweets for several days <laughs> i'm also thinking of the guys who would never be eligible for this so kevin duckworth gilbert arenas damian lillard uh, Robert Parrish. So uh, Parker's laughing because he knows that all those guys were some semblance of the number zero. So all those guys ineligible for this. The uh, solution will just be next year Luka Doncic scores 77 and then we're all good. That's that's the solution to this. Yeah, I don't think Sean Bradley ever approached 76. So, he's like, <laughs> um, so uh, let's start with the detentions. I'm going to give a detention to Ronda Rousey. And so for folks who may remember, Ronda Rousey was MMA royalty Olympic bronze medalist representing the United States. And most recently she has made her druthers in the WWE as a wrestler. And every time Ronda Rousey is done with a particular Avenue that she pursues, she does this scorched earth thing where she just basically berates everyone who's involved in the event in which she was involved. For those of you guys who don't follow her, after she got done with judo, she like scorched earth the United States judo uh, organization that puts together our Olympic judo uh, com competitors and champions. Then she does uh, MMA. You know, she gets knocked out a couple of times, so people ask her about coming back and whether she's retired, and she gets pissy with every media member who ever asks her a question about it. And it's like, that's a legit question. You're a fighter. Uh, and then she did the WWE. She did it for a year. She was uh, pretty successful with it. And then she uh, was on a podcast and basically scorched earth WWE. Like she actually went on Twitter uh, months ago and was talking about how, 
you know, it's scripted and none of the women could actually beat her in a fight. And it's like, whatever. I don't think that fans of wrestling watch because uh, these guys could actually really beat each other in a fight. Like, that, that's... <laughs> I don't get her whole deal of kind of this scorched earth mentality of just burn it down after I leave. Um, the reality is it just makes it so that no one really wants to see you come back in anything. So detention, Ronda Rousey, just think about what you're doing because you obviously have a an incredible draw. and You could obviously parlay that into lots of different things, but uh, you don't want to really do like a real life heel turn where like people really in real life don't like you. So <laughs> detention to Ronda Rousey. Her criticism was unique too because it was like, well, because the fights are scripted. And I was like, you know what else is scripted? Every movie nominated for an Oscar. Like, it doesn't mean it's not a good show. Well, I mean, that's <laughs> like, a part of like, it, right? It's scripted yeah, to entertain. Like... And she's been in plenty of movies, just like you said. Uh, that'll be her next thing. She'll scorch Earth Hollywood, right? I mean, whatever. Right. She can, She does her, and that's fine <laughs> if this is the tactic she wants to take. Just doesn't seem yeah. like the... It's not the one I would take. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Parker? What detentions do you have? Um, my detention for this week... Uh, is going to get handed out, I think it's going to, by the end of this whole thing, potentially get handed out to every pro baseball team. Um, but I, I don't mean to start there. I, I'm doing a little bit more research on it. Uh, a guy named Bill Shaken for the LA Times wrote an article basically saying, you know, it was his understanding as he was going through talking to season ticket holders of the Angels and Dodgers right there in Los Angeles, uh, that the MLB is not get making the teams refund season ticket prices uh as of now and it's kind of getting written off as like a rain check like oh well if the games get moved or whatever you just get a, a rain check and you can go to those games but what's going to happen is that all these games are going to get moved to completely different schedules that people can't make they're talking about making a bubble of sorts in arizona for everyone to go play in and if you're a fan of like the dodgers i guess that's like a four-hour drive if you're a fan of like the the mets that's a long way away you can't just get up and go to phoenix right you get like this could potentially be a bigger deal with as far as the economic crisis goes that's surrounding everything going on right now because people are paying thousands of dollars for these season tickets and major league baseball is not going to force the teams doesn't look like unless this shaken article catches some uh, you know the the attention of some people they're not going to make anyone pay the money back and that that seems like i know baseball is not in the same place that the nfl is by any stretch or whatever but that seems like a really really uh bad pr play for the potential to hold on a few thousand dollars in tickets no it sounds like what they're trying to accomplish is uh get a class action lawsuit filed against them because <laughs> it feels like that's what may end up happening if they uh, don't have some sort of a plan for a refund. That's a very simple detention to me. I don't think there's anything else about like. <laughs> <laughs> um, absolutely. So uh, we'll get into uh, this week. We're going to talk about the NBA draft and the potential for it being moved. We're going to talk about uh, all the games that we're starting to see on social media and how we feel about those. And then we're going to uh, wrap up with a fun little discussion about food at sporting events so without further ado mr ainsworth are you ready sir ready when you are shaga all righty parker so our first thesis statement this week the nba needs to push back their draft as i read that thesis statement to you what grade are you thinking i give that an a like i i i wonder why it's being debated and i got some reasons why so i give it an a what do you think shaga yeah it's an a plus i i can't even understand why they would try to hold this thing june 25th that original day so let's go ahead and get into it all right parker so 
Our grades on this thesis statement of the NBA needed to push back their draft, both pretty high, pretty similar. So talk <laughs> to me. Why do you believe the NBA needs to push back the draft? Well, for starters, there's this big question mark in the NBA about what do they do with the end of the season, right? Like, we don't even really know where we are as far as the standings go. Um, everyone's talking about the playoff positioning and how they would need some regular season games to wrap up before they got to just playing the playoffs. There are some teams kind of intentionally doing the opposite of this where they're fighting out the bottom and, and figuring out how they're going to position themselves best in the lottery. And it, it sounds, you know, it's, it sounds weird to say like teams need a chance to go lose some more games, but that's the reality of it, right? If the, War- <laughs> if the Warriors want to go Knicks lose fan, some more games. Yes, they need to lose some more games. <laughs> right. Teams need a chance to go lose some more games. Um, the other thing is, is that you're looking at, you know, if the NBA were to pick back up in July or, or whatever, um, Silver has been the most cautious of most professional sports owners thus far. Um, uh, it looks like to me that if you're going to do this in July, you're going to have the draft in late June. And so you're going to have a bunch of teams working out rookies that they can't, I assume, play in July and August. It just it seems all kinds of backwards. Um, the other thing is, is that the NBA ought to be using, you know, and most of the time it does, but they have this luxury in that they don't go first in these in these drafts. The NFL is about to happen. The WNBA is set for this week and they're doing their or this month and they're doing theirs remotely uh and digitally anyway they'd already planned on doing it in a conference call anyway the nhl is scheduled for early june the mlb is scheduled their draft for mid-june they don't have to do this in the at the end of june they can say we're going to push ours back and kind of see how these other major sports leagues are doing theirs and if things go well we may you can steal those if things don't go well you don't steal those you're a teacher right when you look up, you know, ways to improve your lessons online. There's no nothing wrong with stealing what other people have done well in this kind of an industry. Oh, absolutely. Um, the best teachers are the best thieves. And in this case, it feels like that that's a moniker that the NBA should probably adopt, especially with the uncertainty. I mean, the biggest thing is we just don't know what's going to happen with the end of the season in terms of schedule. We don't even know if we're going to have an end of the season. And completely. so with the model that the NBA has put in place around draft lottery versus just giving the worst team the first pick. It feels like you need to think through what's going to happen. If we're not playing games in June, you definitively have to push this thing back and come up with a plan for NBA executives to not have to kind of do this dual role where They're figuring out what are we going to do with the end of this unprecedented season and how are we going to carry on a draft in an unprecedented fashion? Like, it feels unfair to NBA executives. And even, like, the best teams, I think, would struggle with this. Teams like San Antonio and Indiana and Toronto, they tend to do really well with things like draft process. It feels like even the best run organizations are going to struggle with this i mean how can we have a draft if we haven't had free agency so if the season is going on at the end of june we don't know what's going to happen with anthony davis and the lakers everyone assumes that he's going to resign but we don't know so how can the lakers know what they need to draft in terms of their needs when they have free agents that they still have to deal with there are too many unanswered questions to try to keep this thing in june in my opinion. 
I, I also think just logistically, you're seeing the NFL and management in the NFL saying, you know, whoa, 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 to the idea of all of these uh, owners and managers, general managers, having people come to their house to set up tech bubbles to do the draft at their homes. I don't imagine that the NBA management is going to be much more, you know, oh, yeah, come on, let's have a big draft watch at their you know, I don't think, I don't think that... that Masai Ujiri doesn't strike me as more open to that than anyone else. You know, like no, I, I think I, all all executives will social distance, right? <laughs> right, and and I and I don't know why it hadn't already been decided that we're doing this exactly three weeks or exactly two weeks or whatever. I think twenty fifth was about two ish weeks after the last. Like if every round went to seven, it would have been two ish weeks after Game Seven, of the NBA Finals, had nothing else happened. So if they're looking at a potential schedule and the rumors you keep seeing on twitter and things or that like the latest possible finals would either be ending or starting around labor day weekend then i think that means we're doing the draft and then late september and i don't i don't understand why that hasn't just been like decided i i don't know if they don't want to i can tell you in terms of the date that you just threw out why maybe the nba the, the the caveat where and keep in mind, I gave this thing an A+. So obviously, I think this thing needs to be moved. The caveat that the NBA has to consider is the NCAA and NCAA basketball in that players can declare for the draft and as long as they don't sign with an agent, still go back to NCAA teams. Do you put players who are still thinking about that NCAA eligibility in a bind if you try to do this thing the end of September? Because the reality is, is that college basketball is going to start up in October. And that's assuming, again, that the college basketball isn't pushed while the NBA season actually is, right? So there's some big assumptions that are obviously being made there. But those are the types of questions where I get why the NBA might be hesitant. Like, what happens with these young guys who are declaring for the draft right now? Like, could we lose out? On Anthony Edwards, could we lose out on Tyrese Maxey? Could we lose out of Vernon Carey if we push this draft too far back? Like, will those guys just say, well, forget it. I'll just go back for my sophomore year. Um, And then, of course, there is the caveat of the players who declare, don't sign with an agent, and then will go back. How do you manage that situation? Like, what's the... There has to be some sort of a partnership with the NCAA, and maybe the NBA is just hesitant to begin some of those conversations. I guess. I also think that it seems like, and the numbers I only have are from like the last couple of seasons. I need to look at a longer trajectory. But the guys signing up for the draft early without an agent is kind of diminishing. The guys that are going are going, and they're even accepting. You see undrafted guys that left early accepting G League kind of offers. just to start getting paid to play. Um, and, you know, I'm, there's a really great book called uh, Boys Amongst Men, I believe is the title, but Jonathan Abrams about the, you know, prep to, prep to pro kind of jump. And, and that really this kind of has been a 20, 25-year swing of guys going out earlier and earlier. Um, my, uh, my bigger thing, though, is if I'm an NBA team, they have guys that do not play college basketball, that they have a much more difficult time getting looks at and they need to make sure they have the time to do homework, not socially distant on those guys, right? Like Wiseman played very little college basketball this season. There are going to be guys that are potentially about to pay him millions of dollars to play professional basketball. They want to see him much more in front, in person, and get some more, you know, more eyes on him. Same with 
the LaMelo Ball kid, right? We took, gave him a gold star last week for buying his Australian team. But he was also playing in Australia in a league that people had a hard time watching. Does that mean that NBA had scouts? Absolutely. NBA had tons of scouts. They're watching he and RJ Hampton in the whole nine. Uh, RJ Hampton's another top 10 projected pick who skipped it or graduated high school a year early to go play overseas before getting uh, uh, entering himself in the NBA draft. I, I just, I feel like, these teams are about to invest a lot of money and they're going to want to do as close to a normal draft process as possible. And you're seeing the way that it's impacting the NFL draft process and you can see it impact the NHL and MLB and WNBA and so on up until it's time for your draft. So just go ahead and push yours back and figure out the kinks and work it out. I don't understand why it's been taking so long. September and Labor Day at the end of the season may infringe on the handful of guys that want to go back to college once they're not drafted. But I... I think that number's really, relatively speaking, not very big. Well, I do wonder if, again, it's not just the kind of fringe guys. I do wonder if it would impact certain top-level guys to say, listen, I'm not just going to come out if the draft is in Labor Day. Like, I'll just stay with my squad, and I'll just do another year, and I'll come out in the next year's draft. Um, So there's that caveat. The piece that you also mentioned is not just relevant for American players, right? In that there are players that the uh, NBA teams will have a difficult time scouting in social distancing. There's no more difficult scout than international players. And that's if everything's normal. So now we're talking about international players who may be declaring, how do we manage that in this socially distant environment? Um, It's one thing to do a zoom interview with James Wiseman and we're both speaking the same language. Like, how do you do that with an international prospect who may not speak English or an international prospect whose English is broken in some ways and probably can't get a translator because of the social distancing stuff? So many components and intricacies. And with the NBA being as international a sport and as international a brand as it is, make sure you have good answers for these questions, because the last thing that you'd want to do is in some way, shape or form, put some sort of a, a divide in the relationship that you already have with the NCAA, with international teams and international leagues, with agents who uh, interact with these players because you haven't kind of thought this plan through. Adam Silver has always struck me as a guy who thinks things through. So I'm envisioning that he's had these conversations and maybe just timeline-wise he hasn't shared all of the pieces. At some point, though, with players already declaring including uh, NCAA underclassmen as well as international players, it feels like you got to put the plan out there so that folks kind of know. And you have television partners as well. So you got to let your television partners know, hey, what's going to happen, what's going on as well. The NFL, I mean, whether you like what the NFL did or not and say we're not moving the draft, at least they got out and said, hey, we're not moving the draft, we're sticking with that, we're going to do this thing. And so everyone just operated within that space, whether you agreed or disagreed. So it feels like the NBA should go ahead, put the information out there, and then let people react. Whether they agree or disagree is irrelevant. At least they can do. Do you know what I mean? At least they can do, exactly. And the, the other thing I'll say about it, too, is that it seems like to me that you're right. Silver is very much a wait-and-see kind of or a, a thinker, or, you know, if you want to go back to his very first, he'd been on the job less than a few months when the whole Sterling thing happened to Clippers, and, and he, he ends up making this very triumphant, strong, powerful decision, but it did take him some time, right? Uh, relatively speaking, a lot less time, because it was a much quicker decision than anything we're doing now, but it did take him some time. Um, 
I just I feel like the biggest thing you see is everyone's assuming that if the draft gets moved, it gives us some sort of an idea about what happens with the season. And I don't I don't think he needs to be holding back that nugget of information either. Like if if you're worried about saying, well, the draft will be Labor Day because that gives everyone a heads up that the season will be over by Labor Day. Tough. Who cares? Like you got you, you got too many moving parts here amongst like you're saying all these young men that are debating making this jump or not that have had to make that decision already some of them and you've got all these international people and all of these you know front office jobs that are like well do i have to you know find some way to get a hold my eyes on all these international prospects between now and june 25th without leaving my apartment and like how do you do those things you know i i'm okay i think they ought to move it back and i just don't know why it's taking so long to admit that we're going to bump this back a couple of months on a much smaller scale like espn also needs to know how to fill that saturday night now like, like, like the tv deals are still <laughs> that's there that's not like, a small like scale like that's a huge scale because that's that's well all a part yeah of the TV and, and there's money there's money in the whole night and i guess what i mean is like i just mentioned a lot of people internationally trying to get into the nba and all those front office jobs and espn is a whole different entity um and they'll run a 30 for 30 or something but they're it, probably on the NBA draft too. <laughs> right. Exactly. On Iverson and his, or whatever, which is a great 30 for 30. If you haven't seen it, go watch the Iverson one. So definitely we've done that pod already. So go ahead and check that out as well. <laughs> yeah. It's a couple, a couple weeks back. We talked about our, some of our favorite 30 for 30. So, uh, it, but I, I just, I don't get why it hasn't happened yet. And like when that came out, I'm reading a Woj, uh, Woj article from ESPN in the last 48 hours. And I was like, I read that headline when it popped up on my phone. And I was like, why why are we still talking about this it's not happening it's <laughs> like move it back is there a possibility that the reason why it hasn't been announced yet is because the nba is still considering canceling the season and if they cancel the season then they won't have to move the draft like i mean that but to even, me that's the only thing that's the only piece that would say that's why we haven't announced it yet i guess they could cancel the season but even with a canceled season i don't think it can happen by june 25th at this point all right, Shaka, thesis number two. In this time of social distancing, we've all been on our phones a lot. And today's <laughs> thesis is people need to quit with the start bench cut game on social media. What do you say? Um, based on the fact that that is like one of the most enjoyable things about Twitter right now, uh, I am flunking <laughs> that pretty hard. So <laughs> I am pro start bench cut. What do you say, Parker? Um, I think in the age of social distancing, that gets a hard F from me. It might be different if they're like sports to watch and things like that, but right now I need the start bench cut game, so I'm flunking that thesis. All right, so for those who don't know, the start bench cut game is popular on Twitter. It's on Instagram as well, and you see everyone all over Twitter posting pictures of like three somewhat maybe kind of sort of relatable athletes or really anything but athletes in particular have been uh the focus of this and you get to start one bench one at cut one more or less ranking them but cutting them sounds way more harsh than coming in third <laughs> um, shaka you gave this a fail as did i but i want to hear from you first what made you flunk the idea that we need to get rid of those uh, I am pro anything during social distancing to take your mind off of the fact that you're social distancing. And I actually enjoy the game for the most part. Um, I like getting the three things and ranking them. I think that human beings, like not kidding, like that's a part of our nature that we just like to rank things. So when you give me 
you know, three basketball players, you say who's who's best? Like that feels like the barbershop conversation that I've had growing up all my life. Only we're doing it <laughs> in this digital space. So to me, that's pretty cool. Now I I've uh, looked at a lot of these and they've been kind of basketball heavy but i even like the ones that aren't like i like the ones that are like food related i like i like the <laughs> movies like they'll put movies out there and they'll be like start bench cut like to me it doesn't matter now as long as as long as they're reasonable right like i saw one start bench cut and i kid you not it was michael jordan Kobe Bryant and Chris Middleton. Like, come on. Like, what are we doing? Like, okay, we know who's getting cut there. So, like, as long as they're within reason, then I absolutely love these things. So, uh, what was your thought in terms of your grade? Very similar. I gave it an F because right now I don't have sports to watch on television. Uh, I've started playing some NBA 2K to, like, pass time and, like, get my sports fix in. Um, I've watched old basketball games old football games I, I need i need sports in my life and it's like you said this is drumming up that same conversation that like if last night if you saw lebron play the clippers and you're like oh man did you see that you'd be talking about it the next day this is the same kind of conversation about like well if lebron were so da 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 then da 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 would have you're having the same conversation except it's just in comparing uh guys from the nba and as long as you're, like, approaching it with that same lightheartedness, you're not, like, cutting people out of your will over it. But it, you really, like, as long as you're... <laughs> hey, Parker, let's talk about a few of these. So uh, I've seen a few star bench cuts that are pretty interesting. And uh, I could do the conversation with you over Twitter, but I figure it's better live, right? So uh, yeah, here's, yeah, yeah. here's one that I think is right up your alley. So it was start bench cut, and it was James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Damian Lillard. <sighs> Well, you're gonna call me a total homer. I would end up cutting. I'd end up cutting Lillard because I'd go to things like MVPs and how you know how you how you rank guys like that. Um, Lillard's probably at a better point in his career, but he's also like the Blazers certainly haven't aren't having a great year. Whenever we come back, um, I would probably start Harden, Russ, Harden, bench Russ, cut Lillard there. But everyone's gonna call me a homer for that. So you just set me up for a giant pile of twitter mentions i'm sure people going, oh my god um to be fair i actually agree so when i did this one on twitter <laughs> i did it the exact same way and i almost tagged you on it just to get your response but i was like you know what saving it for the podcast <laughs> my star bench consuming you is actually gonna I'm, I'm gonna pit you in your big blue nation realm um hey. star bench cut jamal murray devin booker De'Aaron fox Starting Booker for sure. So then the question is just bench cut between Jamal Murray and De'Aaron Fox. So if you were to ask me who has higher upside, um, I, I do think that Fox has higher upside. That being said, based on what they've actually done in the league, I think you got to bench Murray cut Fox. Uh, so that's probably where I would go. Now, I get it that Devin Booker hasn't been on a winning team. And I'm just like, oh, I'm definitely starting him. Well, I'm going to start anyone who scores 70 <laughs> points in an NBA game. So whoever scores 70 <laughs> points gets to start. I mean, and Devin Booker's definitively, to me, the best player of those three. His offense is so transcendent. Uh, I would say that both Booker and Murray probably need to work defensively as NBA players, where De'Aaron Fox feels like he's got that already kind of down. We clearly know that Booker wins the 2K battle. so uh, Yeah, I, obviously. I would, <laughs> I would probably go the same way. I was wondering what you were going to say, though, because most people think of Booker as a guy who gets a lot of points 
in, you could call them empty points because the team never wins. Uh, Murray has had the most team success. Darren Fox is probably in the middle of the two, but he also has the weaker offensive game. You could argue having a weaker offensive game gives him more upside, though, because that's the thing you can like concretely work on versus being a defender, and he's already got that. So I, Anyway, you follow them much more closely as you know Kentucky Wildcats, and so I wanted to make sure... Uh, I want I wanted to see hear your opinion and make sure that I wasn't too far off on that, but I think we're agreeing. No, absolutely, and I mean part of Jamal Murray's team success is that he plays with the best center in the NBA, right? I, if Devin Booker got to play with Nikola Jokic, I think Devin Booker could lead the league in scoring because Jokic actually loves to pass. So even okay. though the offense would run through Jokic still. Uh, Devin Booker is a better shooter in my mind than Jamal Murray. And so I, Devin Booker, I think, could lead. Devin Booker has all the potential in the world to lead the NBA in scoring. Again, he's one of these guys. The only guy who can stop Devin Booker from scoring is John Calipari. And that's because he, ran, <laughs> he played 10 guys on that team that nearly went undefeated. So I got another start bench cut. I'm going to throw at you, Parker. And I think this is another one that kind of is going to tug at your NBA heartstrings. So start bench cut. Steve Nash, Jason Kidd, John Stockton. Oh, man. You're really going to make me... Uh, you know man. you want to so, start Steve Nash. Just go ahead and say it. I know. <laughs> I want to start Steve, I want to start Steve Nash. Uh, frankly, I've only fallen more and more in love with Steve Nash to the social distancing um, just because it gives us time to go back and look at old basketball, and it's just it's just crazy how different he was playing than everyone else back then. Um <laughs> So you're going to make me choose to either cut John Stockton or Jason Kidd, um, <laughs> which Kidd gets a ring as a role player later in his career, but Stockton has all the career stats. I probably bench Stockton and cut Kidd. I can't believe I just said that. You made me cut Jason Kidd. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> I, so um, we'll talk about this one a little bit more, I bet, because I'm going to tell you I'm cutting Steve Nash. Like If you ask hmm. me, I'm starting Jason Kidd, benching John Stockton, cutting Steve Nash. And for me – what it comes down to is there's two guys on this list that led their team to NBA finals. And that really, really matters when you're talking about all time, great point guards, but uh, Steve Nash has two MVPs back to back. Very few uh, players have ever done that in their career. Right. And so maybe you start looking at that and you want to elevate Nash for me. I think about point guard. I think about team success, uh, Jason Kidd and what he did with the New Jersey Nets at the time when he came over was incredible. I mean, the Nets were a nothing franchise, and Jason Kidd had them in back-to-back uh, NBA Finals as the Eastern Conference representative. And then, of course, he gets his ring in Dallas. And John Stockton and what Utah was able to do. Utah's another one of these teams that historically we look at as lesser, and we shouldn't. They just happen to run into the greatest player of all time in Michael Jordan. Um, Steve Nash... The more that you talk about Steve Nash, the more that I'm beginning to really appreciate that he is kind of transcendent in the way that basketball is coming along. That being said, I think that even with his impact, I actually think that Steph Curry deserves more credit than Steve Nash from a player standpoint. I think that Mike D'Antoni deserves more credit than even Steve Nash. Steve Nash is essentially the player who most benefited from D'Antoni's brilliance. So I said all that because I just wanted to like get you worked <laughs> to justify. Up. I just want, no, I well, want you worked up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's interesting because I I wouldn't have said if you asked me at you know whatever I was in middle school went back when Steve Nash and those Suns teams were doing what they were doing they'd never quite get over that Western Conference Finals hump, but they also were 
to be fair, losing to teams that were also beating Jason Kidd's Nets teams, right? Like, 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 like there wasn't a bit. There no, was. That's they were fair. both. That's fair. They were losing the same team. It was just at a different round of the tournament, and that's really just based on literally your geographic location. So I'm not sure that I can hold that as against <laughs> him as much as Kidd. I guess the deal is Kidd is a role player on that Dallas team in 2011, and and that really is a big you know, as far as awards go, difference. The individual players, though, is when you get to see things like the all of the stats attributed to Stockton. But, like, he's leading in assists and steals and looks like it's an insurmountable gap between him and number two, right? Um, <laughs> the short shorts are its own weird, iconic thing. Um, <laughs> he is looked back on as a guy that he just kept running into Jordan, and so he didn't win and i my deal with steve nash is is yes he benefits a lot from the way that d'antoni coaches and the system and those kinds of things and and that two-way street though to me is that that system didn't work anywhere near as well until d'antoni got to another guy like james harden who can score the basketball right like like J- steve nash does not jump off the page as any sort of athlete he's a he's a normal sized point guard very average speed point guard but he pushed the pace away with a great court vision and and it just it seemed to all click in those few years in phoenix he, it wasn't like dan Tony went to new york and had a ton of success with carmelo running some offense he did with insanity though like he for a like, two-week stretch well, but I yeah mean, but, so, well hold on hold on so now we can because we'll get into that if we really want to because Lynn Sanity was longer than a two-week stretch, number one. Number two. Uh, I was being a little. No, no worries. I know you were tongue in cheek. <laughs> he knows I'm a Nick fan, so he's like poking the bear. But um, but uh, the other thing with Jeremy Lynn is that we never got to see long-term what that could be because the Knicks didn't re-sign him. And product product assistance, fine. I could point at, you know, they had a Amari Stoudemire hurt one of the MVP gears. They get a couple of questionable Tim Donahue game, uh, two Tim Donahue games and another Western Conference <laughs> Finals. Like Tim Donahue game sounds like a hardcore metal band. <laughs> <laughs> New band name, I call it. No, I just, I think that he has a, like, not so crazy different timeline where his career is remembered very differently. The idea that a guy can be 15 years ahead of his time doesn't necessarily mean they win as much as that they are important to the game. Whereas as much as I love Jason Kidd, his importance to the game of basketball, right? We talk about like, can you tell the story of basketball with or without him? I I wonder if you could write a storybook that wrote, you know, talked about basketball without Jason Kidd. I don't th- I don't think you could tell a story without the Rookie of the Year MVP. Like you can't like you I don't you can't tell the story of basketball. But let me say this: you can't tell it without Jason Kidd. You can't tell it without Steve Nash either. The reality yeah. is, this is where start like when people say that they're sick of start bench cut. This is why, right? My yes. last my last <laughs> point I'll say about Steve Nash though is you brought up the Warriors the last five years. And Steve Nash is sitting in the bench, in the back row of the bench because he's a player development player development consultant for the Warriors. But Steve Nash is sitting there with them, so like I, he's a part of that <laughs> weird thing too. He's he's a part of a lot of important things to basketball, even if it's not holding up the Larry O'Brien at the end of the season. Um, my I got one for you though because you brought up your Knicks fandom, and this is one I'm throwing to you that may may seem easy, <laughs> maybe maybe it's not. I was trying to look at the New York Knicks and coming up with some comparable group here. And I said, they all play the same position. Um, so Julius Randall, Kevin Knox, or Bobby Portis start bench cut. Um, I, part of this is that 
I'm obviously a UK homer. You just named two UK guys. So, <laughs> and I saw that like I saw them smack Bobby Portis around when he played in the SEC too. <laughs> so like I'm I'm inclined to want to cut Portis, but I feel like Portis has had a better NBA career to this point than Kevin Knox. But I also feel like Kevin Knox. Part of the reason why he hasn't had the NBA career that he could have is because he's been mismanaged after his rookie year, uh, where he uh, <laughs> he showed flashes his rookie year of uh, being a potentially solid player. The obvious and they went out and got a bunch of power forwards to play next to him. It's ridiculous, man. <laughs> the obvious start is Julius Randle because Julius Randle is the best player of those three. Uh, I'm I'm inclined to bench Knox, cut Portis, but I also recognize that I probably got big blue glasses on. And I could, I think that you could go either way on that one. I don't think you can question that Julius Randle has to start. Um, so I want to throw a little change up at you, Parker, before we kind of wrap up this segment. So he, there's another game that people have been playing on social media, and the game is called uh, Must Drop One, where they give you four uh, options, and you gotta, you can keep three of them. You just have to get rid of one of them. And I saw a Must Drop One that was interesting to me. Uh, so it, know that you can you're gonna keep the other three. So if you got to keep three of them and drop one, who are you dropping? Kevin Durant, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Michael Jordan. I would, I guess I cut Durant. I'm really saying I guess I I cut Durant there because because Jordan has his six. Jordan's Jordan. Kobe and I I've never been a guy that said Kobe did on his own. You won't find me saying that. But Kobe in those two runs with Pau Gasol. You know, I, I would argue it's a little different. I also think they're saying about longevity with Kobe. Um, obviously, he and Durant have both had this Achilles injury, so we see how Durant comes back after it. But 20 years uh, with the same, only one major injury kind of speaks for itself. LeBron, I, I would argue the same thing. I also think that, you know, in the last 15 years of basketball, that Cleveland ring in 2016 is as important a ring as there's been for a new, number of reasons. Uh, it's the bronze without Wade. It's the city of Cleveland. It's the Warriors get beat so bad they go back to the bus and call Durant and say we need to join forces. It's there's all kinds of different ways that that ring was so important um, to the story of basketball. That I guess I end up just kind of with Durant coming in fourth, which is probably the point of this, and that a two times Finals MVP comes in fourth seems silly but that i guess is where we settle there durant post injury could still win two more rings and make me look like an idiot but that's where i'm at right now all righty parker so our final thesis statement for this episode is about food because we're hungry the ballpark hot dog is overrated what do you think parker i give that an a a straight and easy A, I think I got a lot of takes here. <laughs> what do you grade it, Shaga? So here's the thing. We've agreed on every grade. I'm also giving it an A. Uh, oh, gosh. The ballpark hot dog is the most overrated food ever. Uh, <laughs> it's just crazy that we have the same grade for all three uh, thesis <laughs> statements. All righty. So Parker Ainsworth hates everything Americana. He doesn't like ballpark <laughs> hot dogs. Come on, Parker. Uh, what's going on? Why do you hate America? Well, I understand that, you know, baseball is America's pastime, and you think of a hot dog at a ball game and those kinds of things. I think this is one of those traditions that has more than run its course. I think that the big deal <laughs> here is I enjoy, you know, in the summertime, when I travel, one of the first things I look up, if it's domestic, is 
well, who's in town that weekend? Like, is it a baseball game? Is it a basketball game? Hockey game? Even like, what, what, what's going on? Right? What can I find tickets to? Absolutely. I'll sit at the top. I just, uh, I'll sit at the in the top. I, I want to see some sort of an experience that, like, see what the fans are like, see what the place is like, etc. Um, which led to some really cool things, right? I did a weekend with uh, the, my family one time. We went and saw New Orleans was the Pelicans were playing on a Saturday with the Saints playing the following Sunday, and so we got to see both. You end up seeing this, the country in a really cool way that way. The ballpark hot dog is so it's so simple. It's the same everywhere you go. <laughs> it, there is no difference in the ballpark hot dog in New Orleans versus the ballpark hot dog in Anaheim versus the ballpark hot dog in New York, right? They're all, the hot dog is the hot dog is the hot dog. And while maybe as a New Yorker, you could sit here and tell me about the dirty water hot dog on the corner of the whatever in Manhattan being different. I I feel like the truth is, is that it's more fun to have the food that represents the area or the city or something funky. If you're going to eat the stadium in general, I totally get people that are like, I'm not eating at the stadium because that's expensive. I'm not going to eat somewhere else before because I'm traveling. I'm only there for a little amount of time, whatever. That's fine too, but that's not part of this game. It's more fun to me to find food in the stadium that represents the place you're at. And I know that that might be marked up a little bit. And I know I may sound super pompous and hoity-toity in saying that. But it's fun to see what is representing the place. What about you, Shaka? You failed it as well. Don't put me in this boat on my own. <laughs> but I love America. So let's, I just want that. That's going to be the, <laughs> the title of this pod. is going to be Shaka Cummings Loves America. And you need to talk to Parker. Um, <laughs> no, um, I, so my thing is that I'm not a big hot dog guy. Like, I don't go to, like, the barbecue on July 4th. And it's like, oh, you know what I'm craving is a hot dog. I will say that <laughs> um, I, I think that different places do dogs better than other places. So, like, I know that Dodger dogs are a huge deal, right? So, if you go to L.A., you have a Dodger dog, that's probably going to feel different than, you know, nickel hot dog night at your local minor league ballpark. Like, we just did start bench cut. I don't even care what the third thing is. Hot dogs are getting cut. Like, <laughs> so, um, it's funny you brought up Dodger dog. I went to college in L.A., and uh, my buddy and I, uh, my roommate, he, uh, he knows who he is, but I'm not going to put him out there too much. We got, we were both linemen. And so we got all-you-can-eat tickets in this all-you-can-eat food section at Dodger Stadium. And which meant that you could get, you know, Dodger dogs, peanuts, nachos, and like fountain drinks. And like maybe popcorn, like all-you-can-eat, right? Which, you know, as two linemen, we thought it was going to be great. Ended up being a giant stomach ache and a lot of food. But what we, cause we were trying to make sure we made our money out of it. I'm more of a soft pretzel guy or a nachos guy. Um, you know, little jalapenos and like very like fake cheese on top of round circle chips is always, always a good option. But again, I really do try and find like, all right, I'm here once. I'm only going to the stadium once. What's like a good, fun thing that is particular to this place to eat? Um, which has led to different things that you go to different places. But it is... It's more fun that way to me. I know that makes me sound like somewhat of a nerd or maybe a pompous jerk, but that's really the more fun way I think it is to do. <laughs> Your Steve Nash takes make you sound more like a pompous jerk. But um, <laughs> um, um, no, I, I'm a nachos guy. Like any any ballpark, like I, I want the electric yellow cheese. Like I, I it's weird. I consider right. myself kind of a foodie. But when it comes to cheese, like I want the fakest, most artificial stuff. Like if, <laughs> if I love that it's called processed cheese food. Like it's not even really cheese. Like right. that's the, I love that stuff. I also love soft serve ice cream. So like any park uh, okay. that I go to, if I can get soft serve, if you're scooping it out and it's like some local kind of small batch uh, deal, I might be interested in that. 
but I'm a lot more interested in soft serve. Right, because like when I go to a place that is known for like bratwurst and sausage and things, I'm not opposed to getting like a brat or a good. Brats like, are so much better than hot dogs. Like, yeah, it's but it's like that difference is enough to make it a whole different experience. In the completely separate from hot dog category, meaning anything that has nothing to do with hot dog, um, what other things have you enjoyed in your travels of stadiums and finding? You know, there's lots of lots of places have great food all over, right? One of the things that I really enjoy is when I was a kid, everywhere that you go would do some sort of a souvenir helmet food item. <laughs> and so for me, it's about the souvenir more than even the food. But like in uh, in Minnesota at the Twins games, they do uh, nachos in like a full size batting helmet, which uh, it's a lot of nachos, guys. <laughs> but it's worth it for the helmet. Um, uh, I love. Uh, I told you, like I love saucer. So anytime you put ice cream in one of those helmets, I buy it. When I went to Texas A and M played U- the University of Kentucky in football, so I got a little A uh, and M helmet full of. Uh, of uh, dipping dots, right? So, like, uh, stuff like that is really <laughs> cool. So, for me, like, I like that stuff because it's more about the helmet. But um, in the South, for instance, you're going to get much better barbecue at a ballpark than I got in Minneapolis, right? But right. Uh, up in Minneapolis, they have this burger that's called a Juicy Lucy, which is, like, cheese inside the burger and then cheese between the burger layers, and it's a double patty. Well, no, you can't get that anyplace else, Right. Um, pizza <laughs> options, for instance, in New York at the ballparks, at least when I was a kid, used to be awesome. I think that all that stuff's been kind of, it's not corporate, and so it's probably like Papa John's or whatever. But right. once upon a time, it used to be kind of uh, local mom and pops that would do the pizza at Yankee Stadium. And stuff like that was really cool because yeah. obviously you're only getting it there. Or even um, we went to a Dolphins game when I was a kid and got a Cuban sandwich at Joe Robbie Stadium, which, um, I mean... Obviously, if you want to get a Cuban sandwich, get it in Miami. I mean, the only place you can get it better yeah. is Havana. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. <laughs> um, AT, at the AT&T Center in San Antonio, they do kind of a take on San Antonio. is the enchilada burger. So you can get, like, enchiladas as the filling of your hamburger, uh, which is unique. Uh, I have only seen it eaten. I didn't eat it myself because it was large. I'm not really a fan of bologna. But here in Dallas, they serve the... <laughs> Triple B at Globe Life Park, which is a bacon, brisket, and bologna sandwich. Um, That's a lot of meat. It's a lot. <laughs> um, I did have, at one of the times I went to Dodger Stadium when I was in L.A., uh, asada nachos, like carne asada over the top of nachos. It's a little bit more upscale or elevated feeling than a normal ballpark nacho. And then when I go to Minute Maid Park, I don't get to go to Minute Maid often because it's you know four hours away as I live here in Dallas. But um, it is it is cool to get... Uh, they have like a chicken and waffle cone, so it's like a, like an ice cream cone filled with mashed potatoes and gravy, and then like popcorn chicken type chicken on top of it. Um, it's pretty good. That's uh, interesting. Then, okay, I think I get behind that. And then when you're at Minute Maid Park in in Houston, you gotta go to Torchies. They have a they have an in stadium <laughs> Torchies tacos. And for those that are not from one of the states blessed to have Torchies tacos, I feel bad for you. Torchies tacos is fantastic. Just the names, like uh, Trashy Trailer Park is a name of an actual taco that <laughs> yeah. you get for Torchies. <laughs> <laughs> Completely. So if you don't know anything about Texas tacos, you need to try one of those next time you can. Uh, but anyway, it's it, it's a fun thing to do at stadiums, and I don't think you should be confined to the regular old-fashioned hot dog. 
No, you definitely need to uh, step your game up. If you're only going to stadiums and eating dogs, then you're doing it the wrong way. You know, go ahead, branch out. Like, that's part of the experience as well. Uh, but you never know. You might find out that your your team is lucky. Like, you eat sushi and all of a sudden your team wins. So, heck, get after it. <laughs> Friends, that is FN Sports for this week. Uh, great chatter all over the map. Uh, even in this time of quarantine, we can find some sports to talk about for sure. Uh, Parker, <laughs> you want to hit him with your socials? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, both are at Painsworth 512 That's at Painsworth 512 uh, uh, hit me up on Twitter. Let me know what you think about my grades or food takes, apparently. <laughs> That's what we did this week. <laughs> um, I also respond fairly frequently to the uh, FN Sports Twitter. If you go at F-I-N Sports, the number two, uh, all one word on Twitter. You can find either one of us there. You can see us tagging our tweets with either P-A or C-C to see who's saying what. Um, but f- reach out. Let me know what you think. Let, us, let me know what you think about our grades i hope you don't think differently about my grades and shaka's grades we had very similar grades this week <laughs> uh we also are on instagram as well so you can reach out to us on instagram uh at f underscore n underscore sports that's the podcast insta uh, you can find me on twitter and instagram at shaka cummings at c-h-a-k-a-c-u-m-m-i-n-g-s Alrighty, Parker. Uh, looks like we need to get out of here. Go celebrate Easter. I'm going to celebrate Easter watching a little bit of this horse competition. So <laughs> time to get out of here. Uh, thank you guys for listening. And please remember, when it comes to sports, don't flunk with us. Later, guys. Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.